1: Welcome back. We have a lot of uh, – we have actually a couple of good emails that we want to share with all of you first, and then we're going to jump right back into our topic. It's one of my favorite topics, actually. Um, and uh, this is one of those topics that when – you would. It's basically. You know, how do I accomplish goals? How do I get what I want in life? Why am I settling for something less than what I know in my heart and soul I can really get, or maybe even feel like I deserve? All those types of questions that basically plague most people. And then when they try to go to the usual places for information on goal setting, they're all of a sudden inundated with all this spiritual woo-woo crap, which just confuses them even more. Oh, you're not manifesting what you want. Oh, you need to make a dream board. Oh, you need to say affirmations. Oh, you need to be doing all this woo-woo stuff. And then you do it, and then you're like, where's my shit? It still doesn't happen. <laughs> it's because all that woo stuff. keep checking the doorstep
2: is... for Amazon packages for what you want. <laughs> Amazon hasn't delivered all the stuff I've been meditating for, damn it. Keep I looking. must not be
1: meditating for, or I must not be um, manifesting enough. I, I, the universe hasn't brought me my package, right? I mean, isn't that something that a lot of – we're okay. trying to make you laugh, but – Look, I know that a lot of you actually believe that's true, that somehow what you want in life is all sort of in this cerebral area of your brain, and somehow you're supposed to lock into some sort of spiritual place that somehow all of us are connected. I get it. I know you guys have been reading these books. I read them too. And what I'm here to tell you it's all fakery. It's all silliness. And so what we're going to do on today's podcast, and we also did it on yesterday's podcast, is we're going to drill down as much as we can to make the accomplishments of goals as practical and tactical as humanly possible. Now, I want you to pay attention as Julie and I are going through these points. How much your ego, that's the word, wants to complicate the accomplishment of goals. How much your ego wants it to be harder than it actually is. And as you're going through life in general, when you're trying to accomplish something, when you find yourself overly complicating something, that is almost assuredly a clever way to procrastinate doing the real work. So, for example, when someone asks, why are people so obsessed with politics right now? Why are people so obsessed with team building and you know, in real estate? And why are people so obsessed with all these things that are out there? Why is it people are attaching themselves to all this sort of drama And the answer is because they're trying to procrastinate. They're just being lazy. That's the real truth. If you cut through all of it, that's the real truth. You talking about the president, are you talking about politics, are you talking about whatever tribe you think you belong to? If you weren't doing that, if you weren't using your brain for that at the present moment, what else would you be doing? What else could you be doing? How else could you be actually improving yourself or helping a family member or getting better at your craft? So all the time you spend in your head – doing all this sort of cerebral crap is going to – we call it mental masturbation because it makes the point really quickly, doesn't it? All the time you spend in your head on that sort of stuff is the same energy that you could be using towards the accomplishment and the betterment of your goals. That includes thinking about – why you don't have haven't accomplished things what is it that's wrong with you what is it that's right with you all these other sort of think about things anything that results in i have to think about it is a step in the wrong direction i know this is counterintuitive to what a lot of you have experienced in life but i'll give you a for example and this is really the best way to think about this is if you had a week to take one listing at the end of that week I'll give you two weeks. So you have two weeks you have to take one listing. Two weeks to take one listing. Some of you, you take a listing a day. I get it. Most of you don't. That's your goal, two weeks, one listing. Others of you are saying, holy shit, I've never taken any listing. How would I do it? I'm not going to tell you how to do it. I'm going to give you this assignment. You take one listing in two weeks. This is all hypothetical, so no one send me an invoice for this. <laughs> you get a million-dollar prize. One million-dollar tax is paid if you take one listing in two weeks. There's not a single person on this call that wouldn't do it or on the, on the show that wouldn't do it because here's what will happen. You are, your brain will focus in on that particular goal. Your brain, your, 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 sca- your view, let's just imagine it's like that. Imagine you're looking through like a telescope or some binoculars and you're trying to magnify something that's very far in the distance. You're going to intentionally make that viewfinder as myopic or as much tunnel vision as possible so you can have the most clarity on whatever goal it is in the horizon that you're trying to accomplish. In other words, you're going to cut out anything and everything with the exception of what it is that you're trying to focus on that's going to basically be at that distance away. Does that make sense? I know it does. So here's the thought for you. What you need to do is you need to give yourself permission to cut out all the other crap that you think is important, and just focus. Follow one course until successful. Just stay focused on the accomplishment of becoming a masterful listing agent. In the past 12 years, there's never been a time that's more important than now because the market's changing, and you're going to have an easier time getting listings over the next probably six to 12 months than many you have. You know, it's been a struggle in the past 12 months. It has. Hell, the past 12 years, it's been a struggle. But going forward, as the market starts to shift, as we enter from phase two to phase three and then to phase four in some of your markets, you guys are already looking kind of phase four ish, you're going to start experiencing a lot of opportunity on the listing side that you won't get unless you're willing or unless you're worthy of getting it. You're not entitled to it. You have to be willing to go out there and earn it. You have to be the guy that can, or the gal that can solve the problem for that particular seller. I mean, that's really ultimately what this is all about. So demystify, keep everything as simple as possible. That's what this pod, podcast and yesterday's show is about. And give yourself permission to be okay um, just in, 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 in action because that's really what this is all about. The accomplishment of a goal and the example I was going to give you, for example, is if you were thrown in the deep end of a pool and you, didn't, you sort of only kind of knew how to swim, you'd figure it out pretty quick or you would die. Your body would go into action. You wouldn't sink to the bottom and think about the five steps that you need to do in order to swim, would you? You would just go into action and you'd get yourself out of harm's way. And if you had that million-dollar prize for taking a listing in two weeks – what would, you, what would you start doing? You would start doing all the things that you've been avoiding doing, wouldn't you? You would stop driving past that bizbo. You would stop doing the things that basically are time-wasting. You'd stop wasting so much time on all the little things you waste time on. Your brain would immediately go into myopic tunnel vision, and your brain would say, screw all the rest of it. We have to accomplish this goal, just like if you were thrown in the deep end of a pool. You guys, get it? So you don't, your, your job as a business owner, your job as a human – is to learn to say no. Actually, I had a great email exchange with one of you guys, so you kind of inspired me on my little rant here. Um, so that's your job. If we, he and I went back and forth in this email. I should try to find it so I can read it to all of you. But the gist of it was is that he was scattered. He was, he was, being, he was one of these agents that like you know, thought he was supposed to be doing all these silly things. Oh, I need to work on my you – know, all these different things. He didn't admit it to me because I could tell it in his words that he wasn't being focused. And then through just a series of short emails, he realized that what he needs to learn to do is say no. And that's what he hasn't been doing, saying no to the call from Zillow, saying no to the person that's trying to pressure you into building a team, saying no to all these other silly things. You know, so that's what I want you guys to think about when we go through today's uh, show and then obviously listen to yesterday's show. So I did receive an interesting email, Julie, and I know you did too. This was from Erica... Uh, Amobi, Julie, I just sent that to you. You want to read that one? Amobi,
2: I got it. Sure, you got it. Uh, it says, yeah. "Hey Tim, I, uh, I just started listening today, and I've listened to about six podcasts so far. I have considered becoming a real estate agent in the past, but the timing was never quite right. Now it's better time for me. Freedom in time and a bit of financial stability. But the more I listen, the more I'm finding there's great information within your podcast for everyday people for learning about the economy and how it affects their lives." hope this is helpful. This was under the why, who I am and why I listen emails that we had asked for. So thank you for that, Erica. We appreciate you listening. And yeah, I mean, it's always a great time to get a real estate license, but I appreciate that you're gleaning good, applicable stuff for quote, normal, everyday people as well. And we do try to do that. So thank you. And I have another email if you're ready. This one yeah, go for it. is from Farah. And Farah writes, hi, Tim and Julia, I started listening to your podcast a month ago and joined Premier Coaching last week. I began going after expired listings and took one listing in two days, and will take another listing ah. this week. Nice job. Ja. Love that. I know, right? Me too. Okay, I was hoping you would be able to give me some advice on my future move. I began my real estate career in Orange County in 2010 and moved to Sacramento in 2011. I took a few years off and began working mid 2014 in the Sacramento real estate market. My goal has always been to move back to Orange County, Costa Mesa, Newport Beach area which I plan to do no later than February 2019. I, I like this goal setting part of this, right? Some very specific with, with things. With a
1: deadline, yeah. With
2: dates, yep. with a deadline, okay. Uh, Ferris says, you mentioned expires will be a great opportunity for listings. Should I begin cold calling from Sacramento yep. with my 949 area code, that's smart too, then fly over when I get yep. a listing appointment or would you advise me to move to more Orange County prior to February? For financial reasons, I need to close nine more homes this year before I can move. I'm a little nervous about moving during the holidays. Thank you for all that you do for agents. I'm already seeing the results in my life from listening to your podcast and being a premier coaching member. Thank you, Farah, for your very kind words. And so what the, would you advise? I mean, I love how specific. So the original plan, being, the origi- and, and, yeah.
1: So Farah, thank you. And so the original plan was for you to move back to OC in February, and you're asking if you should move sooner. Is that? Am I translating this correctly, Julie?
2: Uh, moves sooner for the sake of, you know, being where she's prospecting, or should she just prospect from Sacramento, set the appointment, and then fly to Orange County for the appointment?
1: No, you've her- got to be there, because you're going to have to be Johnny on the spot. The thing about Orange, so Orange County is one of those interesting markets. We've had just billions of clients in Orange County. And Orange County is wonderful because so many of the agents are fat, happy, and lazy. God bless you people. A lot of you are our clients. I'm just being honest because your average sale price is so high. Orange County agents have a tendency to be some of the agents that react to the market at the last point. Because their because their commissions are so high, it affords them uh, the financial ability to basically be slow in taking actions. There's just the reality of it. When you have big commission checks, and in Orange County, your average commission check is probably going to be at least 20 grand. You're going to basically not have to be so. Uh, if you have three or four in contract and you have three or four listings, chances are you're just you're not going to be that uh, aggressive in getting your game on, which means. That when you are early in Orange County, in the, as in this market transitions from phase two to phase three, which is already happening in OC, you're going to have opportunities with regards to going after expired listings. The best expired listing opportunity is going to be – again, I said this a second ago, but it's true. In the last 12 years, in the United States, it's been you know pretty much a strong seller's market, but the fourth quarter, first quarter, maybe even second quarter of 2019 – that's when there's going to be a lot of expired opportunities. The, I'm very, I'm interested in what's going to happen in fourth quarter, and what you're going to experience, Farah, is a lot of sellers that basically didn't sell, who are telling, who are saying things like, "Well, I'm just going to hold the house off the market until the spring," and then you're going to have to get good at your scripts to say something like, "Well, Mr. Seller, if you knew with a high level of certainty." that selling in the spring might net you actually less money than putting up for sale now. In other words, the check you could get now would be larger than the check you would get in the spring. You wouldn't want to still wait, would you? Get it? Now, that's a way then you'll have a pre-qualified question. Well, we're not that urgent. Well, our new house isn't going to be done. Well, we don't actually have to move until June of 2019, so you can kind of get into motivations there. But that's going to be your biggest objection as you roll into fourth quarter. A lot of expireds who are not going to be willing to accept the fact that they're overpriced, thinking that they can hold off the market until the spring because somehow there will be a market rebound. That is all part of phase two, these sellers that want to hold on to their aspirational pricing. And so agents listening and Farah, you guys are going to have to get very good at being able to explain to sellers, have a little coming-to-Jesus session with them with regards to the market conditions. That's the reason that Julie and I did – the phases podcast for all of you. So, you guys could take that information and you could share it with your sellers and you could explain to them where we are in the real estate correction. And if you explain it like we explained it, they're going to see themselves making some of the bad decisions that people typically do in phase two because in phase three, that's when it gets really hard for sellers because that's when the buyers start basically taking themselves out of the market. That's when the buyers start saying things like, I'm just going to wait for prices to fall. That's when buyers are going to start having a harder time getting, uh, you know, the whole thing changes in phase three. Phase two is what Orange County is experiencing now, though the upper end part of Orange County, the upper end of L.A. County, you guys are experiencing phase really probably entering into a real full-blown seller's market, just like many other market. – I'm sorry, buyer's market, just like many other markets are in the country – and you're going to see that in earnest over the next 90 to 120 days. You guys, just look in your MLS. Go if you don't have high-end listings, go talk to these agents. Julie and I talked to them all day. Some of them, you know, basically, I had an agent a call this morning with a uh, fantastic agent who has he put 11 new listings for sale in um, between like late July and earlier this month, and they were all like I think million to like two and a half million. And these were all new construction, right? This is the dream inventory, and in in he's in a beach—he's in a beach town, okay? So none of them are, have sold yet, and they're barely getting showings. And this is a market that 60 or 90 days ago, all of them would have sold in probably like a week, maybe with one, but multiple, with multiple offers. And now they're just setting. That market has changed. That market is not going to change back, because what happens is when the buyers see that happening. The buyers are not going to put their foot back in that water. They're going to say, I like that house, but I bet you, I'm willing to wait because I bet you that house is going to be for sale in another 60, 90 days, and I can save $100,000 or $200,000. Oh, and by the way, my mortgage company is now basically tightening up, tightening up on the mortgage qualification standards, and you know they're basically making it hard for me to get a loan anyway, so I'm just going to back off this whole experience, and now you guys get it? There's going to be more reasons for them to develop fear. And then when that happens, the market slows in a meaningful way. And then all the listings that are basically listed with agents who didn't get the prices down, boom, those things expired. And agents like you, Farah, and all the other agents listing, you guys, if you take action, learn how to go after these expired listings, will make a fortune. You will. It just makes sense. The agents that have the skills are the agents that are going to dominate this new market. In the past, guys, let's be honest, it was mostly about relationships. That's the reason the centers of influence and past client thing was so dominant. An agent who is good at centers of influence and past clients and has the ability to basically work with sellers in a changing market, those agents are powerful, but most agents that, ha- that work centers of influence and past clients is their only spoke. You know, Agent, basic you know, relationships type business – they're the ones that are the first ones to suffer because they don't want to have those tough conversations. That's the whole reason that they pursued sort of the amiable approach to real estate in the first place because they didn't want to be somebody who had to have sort of real sales skills. You guys understand what I'm saying here? This is how it's different. In a market like this, it becomes skills-based. In the previous seller's market, it was mostly about who you knew, relationship-based. So change with the market and realize there's still going to be gozillions of dollars to be made zillions of people to help, you just got to make it so you're the person that's getting the orders. You know, you're know, you the person that's basically going to get the business. You're the person that people are going to see as, you know, I really like Julie. She's a fantastic lady. You know, I know her from my whatever, whatever. But the other thing about Julie is I know that she, she sold my neighbor's house and that house was previously listed by another agent. Julie's the only agent I'd listed with. Or how this is the experience most of you will have. You know, I really like Barbara. She's a great agent. She's really nice, but you know what? I'm not so sure she's really the agent for me in a market like this. I see some of the houses in my neighborhood not selling. There's this other agent named Bob, and I see that he's really aggressive. He's not – I don't really know him. You know, he's just some guy that somebody else mentioned, or maybe I came across, or maybe he called me. Yeah, don't really like him necessarily. He's not a relationship guy. You don't have any personal connections, but that's the guy I'm going to hire because he can get the job. He can get the job done. You see how it changes? That's what happens in a marketplace like this. You guys will do the same thing. You know, uh, the way you approach coaches, for example, you're not going to hire a coach that hasn't been there, done that. You're not going to hire a coach that can't get you through this transition. You're not going to hire a coach that's just going to be a touchy-feely motivational coach because you're going to be saying, like, hell no, I don't need that. I need practical and tactical skills that's going to get me through this market. Right? Makes sense. So, Jaleigh, anything else? Do you want to get to our next point?
2: Yeah, I mean, you pretty much summed it up. You've got to get your skills on, or you will be the one who is surprised. I thought I had that listing. Gosh, I've known them forever. Don't let it happen to you. We saw it last time around. We're getting in front of it for all of you, but you've got to be the ones who take action and set the example, set the bar high. You be the one where another agent hears that they're interviewing against you, and they cancel their own appointment. That does happen but only against the strong, okay? So uh, we're talking about Ultimate Guide to Getting the Everything You Want guide. in
1: Life. That's right. <laughs> the Ultimate Guide oh, yeah. to Getting Everything You Want in Life. There's a, a ponderous title, but next point, Julie?
2: <laughs> no, no pressure. Okay, so we did points one, two, and three yesterday. And point number four I think is going to surprise them, Tim. This point is to keep that goal to yourself, now, how many of you guys have heard you've got to post it posted everywhere? Tell everybody you know. So why, Tim, keep the goal to yourself?
1: So this is something that was very fascinating when Julie and I first started reading this. Um, we read a lot of books and psych- just different things because we want to get better at our job, right? We have to get better at helping you guys accomplish your goals, just like you have to get better at helping your sellers accomplish their goals. That's our job. So what we started seeing is these different reports, the credible reports, not woo-woo, sort of mindset-y, you know, funky stuff, but real reports that were coming out that were saying that the more people you share your uh, goal with, the less likely you are to accomplish it. And the easiest way to explain it, because when I read this, it was like, what are you talking about? You're supposed to do dream boards. You're supposed to do all the woo-woo. You're supposed to do all the mindset. You're supposed to – nope. When you have a goal – the more people you tell about it, what happens is, like, say, for example, you wanted to lose 20 pounds or whatever, and you start telling everyone, posting it on your dream boards, I'm going to lose 20 pounds. You post it on Facebook. And what happens is everyone says, oh, congratulations. You're going to you look so much better. Oh, congratulations. You know, I'm going to buy a Ferrari. Oh, a Ferrari. That's exciting. Oh, you're going to love it. Here's some Ferrari videos. And so, so psychologically, what happens is a lot of people get the satisfaction Of having accomplished the goal before they actually accomplish the goal and then they're less likely to accomplish the goal so by telling a bunch of people about a particular goal you're trying to accomplish statistically it lessens the likelihood that you'll actually accomplish it so one of the things that Julie and I always did is first of all as a we've been married for almost 30 years and one of the ways uh, have people ask me this occasionally I'm sure Julie does too is they want to know how you work with your spouse? People ask questions like that. They ask kind of personal questions, and they're not sure how we're going to react. But it's you know, non-real estate people ask this of us too. And the answer is, what you do is you set family goals. You set goals together. That's the way to basically keep your relationship and keep everything. Like we want to go back to Italy for the first time in six years. We want to do that next year, and Julie's excited about it with a bunch of worries about Zoe. You know, I'm excited about that with fewer worries about I'm Zoe. She'll be fine. Cautiously optimistic, but we're setting these goals together, and this is something both of us are really excited about. So when are we going to go? We're going to go the last maybe two weeks of June of 2019. This is how we set goals. This is how you set goals. All right, so now we have a goal. Now we have a deadline. We have a date. All right, now what has to happen? We need to basically arrange it. We need to talk with people that have gone recently, and where the places. We need to put a plan together, and we do need to put a budget together. And the last thing we need to do basically is, you know, we can just pay for it, so it's not a big deal. But some of you would need to basically set up a specific savings account to go about accomplishing the financially how to accomplish that goal. So the goal is a dream with an action plan, and you have to have a date when you're going to have it accomplished by. Now, where a lot of people drop the ball is the action plan sucks. They just say this is my goal. I'm going to lose 20 pounds. I'm going to lose it within six months. But there's no action plan. So an action plan would be what? You're going to um, eat low carb. There's number one. All of you should be doing that whether you're exercising or not. Number two, you need to be going to probably Orange Theory or some other uh, fitness type situation where you're going to have external accountability because that will make sense. And If the external accountability is only that you've prepaid it and if you don't show up, you're going to lose your money, that's probably really good for most of you. So moving forward, then what happens is you're going to specifically keep to a specific plan of eating in such a way that you won't gain weight, working out in such a way that you'll start burning body fat, and you're going to then you know, basically have accomplished your goal by a certain time because you put a certain plan in place. That's the way it works. If you do half measures, which is what a lot of people are um, – that's what they do. They'll say, well, I'm going to go to the gym two days a week, but I'm going to keep eating like shit. You're not going to lose any weight. That's what most people do. So that goes with all the accomplishment of the goals. Or you'll see that people will say, I'm just going to do the low carb, but I'm not going to go to the gym. So they'll just want to do the easy stuff. They're not going to actually want to do the actual work. Julie, any comments on that?
2: Yeah, I you know, I've known people that actually gain weight when they go to the gym but they don't do the diet part because in their head they figure they can eat more or worse because they're going to the gym. doesn't work like that, guys. So, yeah, I think it has to be measurable, specific, and do all of the plan with a deadline. You know, I mean, they're, they're, this is the doing what you don't want to do when you don't want to do it, but at the highest level part, the at the highest level part is actually the most important part. It's the difference between somebody who dabbles in expireds, you know, they might call one when they feel desperate for a listing, versus someone who takes it seriously and says, I've got a spreadsheet of the ones I've talked to, I know who I'm following up on, I know everybody's time frame and motivation, I know when they're likely to be home and not home so I can follow up and I will take three listings by this time next week. There's a big difference in everything that you do in life. And so I always appreciate those emails we get from people applying, of course, all of our great uh, real estate agents and brokers. But, you know, the the people who are just kind of real estate curious but applying a lot of what we talk about at the highest level, doing what they don't want to do. I mean, I never want to go to Orange Theory. I think about that thing pretty much every time my foot touches the treadmill. (laughs) So just keeping it real. All right, point number five. Use the goal as a black hole of all-encompassing energy – thought, effort, and emotion so that everything gets sucked into that goal. That's how seriously you've got to take your goals. Anything you want to add to that, Tim?
1: No, I think that's pretty much it. That summarizes it, right? It goes back to the The fact that you have to look. I will add a little caveat to that. A lot of you folks have families, people that are dependent on you, and sometimes in the accomplishment of goals, you actually hurt your other aspects of your life. So when you're trying to accomplish a goal, it doesn't matter what it is, you need to bring your family members in on it. Um, and one of the best ways to have accountability in your family, and I, we've said this a number of times and people always email us saying it was like painfully effective, is go to your kids, assuming you have children, and, you know, you can modify this as necessary and say, here's what, you know, mommy or daddy are trying to accomplish. Between now and the end of the year, mommy has to lift 12 houses or whatever. And when she does, she's going to take everybody to Disney World for Christmas. <laughs> Whatever it is, modify accordingly. But what you do is you're going to then take a a piece of paper, and this is not in conflict with sharing your goals. All I'm trying to do is get you basically to get some more internal accountability inside your family, and now all these people are going to be basically rooting for you, opposed to saying, where's mommy? Why is mommy not home? Why is mommy on the phone? because mommy's working towards the accomplishment of a goal for the sake of the family that's how you get your family to rally behind you you can if you're if you don't have a family if you're just you and a you know a, a, your partner same At- thing you know look we're, yeah, your cat. No, maybe not. I'll buy you some catnip. No, like if it's you and your partner, you could say, for example, you know, we'll go to France in the spring or whatever, wherever both of you want to go. But here's what has to happen for that to happen, and then you're going to find all these people that are going to start pulling for you. But you know, don't like I said, don't go and overturn the apple cart and start. Um, You know, overly broadcasting your goal because psychologically, statistically, you're less likely to actually accomplish it. And then take a dry erase board or take like Zoe's got these little, you know, you have to finish the star thing, right? We've got this chalkboard. Zoe gets a star on a particular day. You guys have probably all done this with your children. When she accomplishes like three basic things that she's supposed to do. You know, she's four and a half, so you can't get her to do much, right? So she does those every single day. She gets a star. And if she gets five stars at the end of the week, she gets to pick what she wants to do. They're simple things, you know, just play stuff mostly. And she loves it. It works. So th- those are the types of ways that you can basically put a system in place to help you with the accomplishment of the goal. Um, so that's where my mind went when Julie was talking about the all-encompassing black hole. I'm hoping you guys are not, real, not thinking that we're suggesting that you uh, sacrifice your children or your spouse for the sake of your uh, you know, myopic goal. Bring them in on it, and then you'll most assuredly accomplish it faster. I think we have time for one more point, Julie.
2: One more point. Yep, point number six. Become the person who has that goal through the process of earning it. What is the difference between who you are now and someone who has what you desire? Your job is to close the gap, but it is a process. You're going to become the person who has that goal through the process of earning it. It just doesn't, you know, show up one day. It's through that process. And that really comes down to how you carry yourself, how you handle things on a daily basis. Are you, do you look like, do you act like, do you sound like the person that has that goal? Or are you not taking it seriously? It is on a daily specific basis that you've got to go forward on this. And I think that, you know, that's reflected in the actions that people take more than what they claim with words. You can, you can tell, I mean, we can tell with coaching clients, fairly certainly uh, who's going to do it and who's not, who is going to reach that goal, and who is just giving it lip service. It's pretty clear. And how is it clear? It's based on what you actually do. Back to you,
1: Tim. I'll tell you what, Billy, you can you can bounce because I know you got to go to Premiere. When I'm talking to somebody, when I'm talking with one of you, and I ask what you're doing uh, with your time during the day, and I hear you, and this is a typical agent answer, like I ask what you're doing, you think the answer is, the correct answer is, I'm seeking information, right? So you guys are in this constant information-seeking mode. You're listening. Again, there's so much information that's out there, some of it good, some of it bad, whatever, right? You're going to seminars. You're going to webinars. You're listening to podcasts. You're, you're just consuming information constantly. Here's a simple fact. Your brain is not designed, nor is mine, to handle that much input. And most of that information is not going to complement each other. It's just going to give you more consternation, more reasons to procrastinate, more um, things for you to explore and research. Isn't that what so many of you are spending your time doing? So this wonderful thing called Google and the Internet, it, it is the best uh, per device for smart, lazy people ever because you can always say I'm researching it. Right? I'm try- okay, Tim and Julie just said something on their podcast that makes perfect sense to me. I'm going to go research it. Don't go research it. Go do it. Don't spend time trying to Google it or wasting time trying to find alternatives to it or trying to find enhancements to it. Just go do it. Go put yourself in action and start making money helping, other, helping folks. Isn't that the essence of it? But look what people do. I'm going to go to a conference. I'm going to decide, oh, my big – so what's on your mind? What's your big challenge? Oh, I'm trying to decide if I should build my team oh Lord my team i 've got problems with my buyer agents i 'm trying to decide if I need to add a listing specialist why Why are you doing that well what do you mean why I want to do more transactions okay help me out with that i I get conceptually why you want to do more transactions, but walk me through that. Why do you want to do more transactions Well I mean I'm a real estate agent i 'm a growing business professional i 'm an entrepreneur. How dare you ask me that question i 'm successful. I have my brand. I have my all the other things. Okay, good, great. That's wonderful. So why are you wanting to do more transactions? Well, I mean, isn't that what I'm supposed to do as a business owner, as a successful business owner? And here's what my answer is. Not necessarily. Usually that's the answer, but not necessarily. More transactions does not equal more net profit. If you're not making a decision in your business that's designed around making more net profit, then you're making decisions incorrectly. I mean, we can argue this till the cows come home. But you guys are not publicly traded companies like Amazon, which don't have to make a profit. You have to make a profit. You have to make a huge profit. Nobody is ever going to buy your business. You're never going to have a liquidity event from your business. You're never going to have a transaction or transactions big enough to make it so you're rich. The only way you're going to do it is if you peel off the top of every cent you earn, starting at 10%. We've talked about this endlessly in our podcast. We talk about it in our book, Harris Rules. That is what we ultimately need you guys to realize, that the more myopic you are, the smaller world you have, the more focused you are, the, more, the better you're going to get at your craft because you're going to be distracted by fewer things. Learn not just to say no, but hell no to anything that gets you off your track. That is called the power of, setting, of basically being focused, the power of having you know, tunnel vision. That's the black hole that we we're talking about. But what do so many of you do? You see how this is the exact opposite of how virtually everyone you know, including you, operate? Who do you know that operates like that? I know. Navy SEALs do. Navy SEALs do. Professional athletes do. Professional musicians do. Professional anybody does. Anybody at the top of their game, that's how they got there. You know, this is a great quote from Matthew McConaughey. You know, he says, life is barely long enough to get good at one thing, so choose wisely. I think that's kind of a paraphrase of what he said, but that's the gist of it. He chose acting. I think he did chose wisely, don't you? He had to get good at it. He had to practice at it. He may have had other interests that he set aside, maybe just treat them as hobbies. That's fine. But he decided to get that, be his one thing that he was really good at. Don't try to be good at a bunch of different things. And here's the one thing you need to get really good at in real estate. Just be a really good listing agent. That's it. Don't worry about anything else in your business. Just be really, really, really good at lead generating, at pre-qualifying, at presenting, at negotiating, at closing. Just those five things. You can suck at everything else in real estate, but if you're good at those five things, you will have no worries, especially financial ones in your life. I know that makes sense. So here's the question I have for you. Why is it that you want it to be more complicated? Honestly, email me, Tim at TimAndJulieHarris.com. Why is it that you want it to be more complicated? Why is it that you're so drawn to to going to seminars where they're talking about artificial intelligence? Why is it that you think talking about all that bullshit is going to get you anywhere? It's just more mental masturbation. It's just more procrastination. It's just more delaying. And the problem is is you don't realize that you've wasted too much time already getting ready to get started. This is just more of the same. This is all the stuff that you guys are awash with, that you read on these different websites, and you go to these seminars and hear these people talking about, pontificating about these different topics, you don't need to know any of that. (laughs) Honestly, you don't. Just consider it fake news. You literally need to have none of that in your head. The only thing you need to have in your head is your ability to generate listing leads on your own, not paying for them, to pre-qualify so you know what the seller's motivation is and all that stuff we teach you, basic sales skills to present, to negotiate, to close. If you do that in your real estate business, and by the way, you can scale this to any aspect, any business you're in, I promise you, you will have no financial problems. It's all the other stuff, all the other clutter, all the other people that are here to provide us with all this useful information. But what they're really trying to do is sell us a suite of software, you know, sell us a, a new CRM, sell us a new lead follow-up program. You don't need any of that crap if you're a listing agent. You don't need any of that crap anyway. But us say, oh, my God, we have these graphs and we have these charts and we have these 14 analytical points why you need this and we need these, we've done these studies on buyer behavior. We, we can do predictive analysis and we have generated computers and i got a special algorithm. Bullshit. Just set all that stuff aside and focus all your best energies every single day on being a powerful listing agent. Let everyone else worry about all that other mind clutter. This is how you ultimately win in life, guys. Think about that. If you want to debate this with me, if you have any counterpoints to this, Tim at timandjulieharris.com. In the meantime, please take action on the information you're getting from our podcast. If there's anything we can do for you, it's Tim at timandjulieharris.com, or you can go to our. If you want, if you're ready for your free coaching call, just go to freecoachingcallsforagents.com. Have a fantastic day. We'll talk to you on the show tomorrow.